All right, well, good morning. Please, this is the part where you say good morning back because we've gone weeks, weeks, and weeks without hearing a good morning back. So let's try that again. Good morning. Uh, That's so good. That is so good to hear. We are going to continue in our walk through the book of Ephesians. This morning we are going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at what Tedra read there uh, and uh, talking through that a bit. So go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. President Calvin Coolidge was from Plymouth Notch, Vermont. Anybody ever been to Plymouth Notch, Vermont? I doubt it. It's a very small place. And so the president decided to invite a bunch of the townsfolk uh, to the White House for dinner. Now, obviously, these were farm people, small town people. They had never been to such an occasion, uh, didn't really know how to behave. So they came up with this idea that what they were going to do is whatever the president did, they were just going to imitate that. And do that. So as they go through the meal, whatever fork that the president picked up, that's the fork that they picked up. If he put his napkin in his lap, that's what they were going to do. And so that's what they did through the entire meal. And then it came time for the coffee to be served. And so uh, the president picked up the cup and he put it off on the table. So the townsfolk did that. He took a little bit of coffee and he poured it into the saucer. Townsfolks did that. He poured a little bit of milk into the saucer as well. Townsfolks did that, a little sugar, stirred it up, and they were all thinking, surely to goodness he's not getting ready to sip this coffee from, from, the, uh, from the saucer. But they thought, we're going to be ready if that's what he does. But instead, what the president did was he, he took the saucer, he put it on the floor, and he called for his cat. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, we are called to be imitators of God, to be like the Father. And all throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul has painted this glorious picture of God the Father, how He loves us, how He adopted us. And now, add to these things, he's telling us that we need to apply these things to our lives And to be imitators of God. Now, of course, our ability to imitate God has its limits, right? Uh, We can't be omniscient. We can't be all-knowing. Although I have been around people who believe that knowing everything is their spiritual gift. (laughs) These people that you ask them what time it is and they tell you how to build a clock, right? We've all been around people and in our lives like that. But we can't be all-knowing. We can't be all-powerful. But we are to imitate Him in as far as that is possible. And so for the past few weeks, we've talked about this idea of putting off the old, putting on the new. John went through a whole list of things in last week's passage about put, put this off put this on, put this off, put this on. Joe gave us this illustration with the, the shirt. We remember that, right? So, And there was some controversy there 
the shirt, uh, was, it, was it yellow, was it white? Sometimes it looked, I kind of have a theory about that. I think since he's had it since high school, it was so thin that it just kind of showed his white skin through it. I think that's when the light hit it a certain way, we're going to do, a, we're gonna do a, a, a test on that and see if that's really what was happening there. But, but this idea of putting off the old, putting on the new, that we are to live lives of love and holiness. And then chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, is kind of the summary of this idea. And then in verses 3 through 14, we get kind of how to live this out. But it's all under this big heading of be imitators of God. And how do we walk that out in our lives? And so, on your notes, if you have your notes here or at home, uh, number one, we are to walk in love. Now let's look at verse two again. And walk in love As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walk in love. Now, verse 2 is absolutely loaded, right? We could do a whole sermon just on verse 2. God gives us this model of what it looks like to walk in love. Now, just so you know, what we're talking about here when we say walking in love, walking is is how we live our lives, right? It's how we behave. And so if we are, or if we want to be imitators of God, we must walk in love. And then Paul gives us the model for that in this verse. And the model for that is Jesus. Now, if you're like me, you're saying, "Uh uh-oh. We're supposed to love like Jesus? I'm supposed to walk like Jesus? And that sounds awesome, but I'm probably going to fail. I'm probably going to fall at that. Now, my my three kids are, are all here today, and they're all older, uh, 22, 18, 18, right? 18, yeah. 22, 18, and 16. But I remember when they were learning how to walk. A lot of you remember this, right? So typically what happens is that, you, you, you know, they stand up and you grab their, their little hands and you're, you're doing this thing with them, you know, just walking and they're walking. And, and, and then they start to kind of gain their balance and so you kind of just let go and see see what happens and they take a step and and then eventually they just kind of pop down on their bottom right now what doesn't happen in this is when they fall down on their bottom as a loving father i don't stand over them and go that was just pathetic what are you doing No, we don't do that. We pick them up. We cheer for them. Yay, taking one step, taking two steps. Yay. We pick them up and we go again. That's what we just read about in Psalm 103, right? The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love. 
are abounding in steadfast love. He's compassionate. He's kind. He understands. And Paul in verse 2 shows, shows us what, what does it look like to walk in love. To walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. We need not only Jesus' example, but we need a Savior who forgives and then empowers us to go and love. To go and love the world. And this is not as a way to earn salvation, but as evidence of our salvation, as evidence that the Father loves us. And because we are going to be imitators of God, we love others. And we'll be crushed by our, our guilt if we don't look to the cross of Christ. One of my favorite quotes is from Paul Tripp. And Paul Tripp says, The Christian life is not about perfection. It's about pursuit. The Christian life is not about perfection. It's about pursuit. Christ was perfect for us. And this kind of love is not natural for us. We are wired for conditional love, right? Give this, get this. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That's the way we're wired, right? It's not natural for us. But God's love for us in Christ is unconditional. And the Spirit of God then indwells us and empowers us to love sacrificially. And that Christ offers Himself as the ultimate example of sacrificial love. Because love requires action. Right? Love requires action. Love without action is just, as Scripture says, a, a, a clanging cymbal, a clanging gong. It's just noise without action. We can feel sorry for the poor. We can feel sorry for orphans. We can feel sorry for the underprivileged. But that doesn't do anything. There needs to be action. That love needs to be displayed and so when we look at verse 2 he gave himself up for us as an offering to God love is horizontal love is vertical John Piper writes in his book let the nations be glad of Amy Carmichael she's a missionary to India who spent much of her ministry caring for ill-treated children. And she gave many of them a way out of this forced prostitution that was happening, that's taking place in the temples there. She founded um, a fellowship which became a refuge for 
over a thousand children in her lifetime. And when she died in 1951 at the age of 83, she asked that no stone be placed on her grave. But the children that she had cared for loved her so much, they wanted to do something. And so they put a bird bath over her grave with the inscription, one word, Amma, which means mother. Amy Carmichael embodied what action, love as action, looked like. She, was oft, she often said this, one can give without loving, but one cannot love without giving. And so what do we do? How do we respond? Well, Paul tells us in another of his letters, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We are to walk in love. And next, number two, we are to walk in light. In verse three, Paul kind of shifts gears here a little bit and he, he, he talks about things that we are to put, uh, goes from things that we are to put on to things that we are to put off. And so in other words, these things are the opposite of walking in love. And the opposite of walking in love is worshiping self over God. Clyde Cransford said this, selfishness is the essence of sin. Every sin is an expression of selfishness. Our actions always follow our heart. Look at verses five or three through five with me. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. Now many of us, when we hear these verses, and we say with broken hearts, yes, I have hurt others by doing these things. Or we say, yes, others have hurt me with these sins. And the, and the command that Paul gives here is interesting. And you would think that Paul might have said, don't do these things. Right? Don't do these things. And just be done with it. 
But the command is that these sins must not even be named among you. No one should be able to look at you and say these things about you, about the way that you live your life. Because our actions reveal who we are and they reveal whose we are. And when we live this way, what it says to the world is, I love me more than I love others. I love me more than I love the things of God. Because all I see others is as a way to meet my needs. And Paul tells us what these things look like. And so we're just going to walk through just a couple or walk through these sins and make sure that we have a good understanding of what they are. So sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is any sexual activity outside the bonds of biblical marriage. One man, one woman for life. And the word used here is porneia. And this is where the word pornography comes from. And this word is kind of a catch-all for sexual sin. Um, Kind of a word that's used that way. So anything outside the bonds of biblical marriage. Things like fornication, adultery, homosexuality, pornography. Now listen, I want to just, for a minute, I want to put on my student pastor hat here for just, just a minute and just say to talk to parents for a minute. Parents, our students are absolutely bombarded with sexual immorality. At every turn. And listen, there's no way that we can 100% protect our children from that. That's why we work on the heart. But there are things that we can do to help them in this fight. And so, parents, you need to be checking your your students' phones. You need to be looking at those things. You need to set up site blockers and restrictions for them. Because I know that none of you would hand your child a pornographic magazine or a pornographic video. You wouldn't knowingly do that. But to give your child a phone that has no restrictions and no sight blockers, that's exactly what you're doing. And this is not just a problem for young men. This is a problem for our young ladies as well. So sexual immorality. Impurity. This is a broad word that refers to really any type of filth. 
This is a constant state of moral corruption. Bend a rule, stretch a rule, take things as far as I can go one way. As much as I can get away with. Covetousness. Greed. Stealing. Desiring situations that lead to impure or immoral pleasures. And what Paul says about these things is, these acts should not even be named among you. The NIV says it this way, not a hint. How close can I go? How far can I go? What can I do? Not a hint. And then he lists another set of sins in in verse 4. Things to put off. Filthiness. Foolish talk. Crude joking. These things should not be named against among you. And again, selfish sins. Putting people down to make yourself look good. Selfish sin. Foolish talk about yourself or others designed to draw attention to yourself and put other people down. Selfish sin. Treating serious issues with dishonorable humor. Serious issues with dishonorable humor. Selfish sin. This is not what unconditional love looks like. This is not what it looks like to be an imitator of God. In in Ephesians chapter 5, in the first 20 verses, there's 20 different commands. And a lot of times when we get commands, we kind of our tendency is to push back. But but listen, God is not anti-sex. He created it. God is not anti-money, anti-success, anti-joy. But He created us and He knows what leads us to thrive and what leads us to destruction. We live in a a cul-de-sac. We have been in the same house since 1999 and we bought the house because really because it was at at the end of a a cul-de-sac, and we have had a ball in that cul-de-sac, right? So we we go out and we ride skateboards and we ride ride bicycles. All the kids learn how to ride their bikes there, and, uh, you know, we've we've set up skateboard ramps for Jonah, and we've done all kinds of, played basketball. We've just had all kinds of fun in the cul-de-sac, right? But when the kids were smaller, I took them up the, the road and said, okay, here's your boundary, Here's, where, here's as far as you can go. This way, good. This way, bad. There's going to be consequences if you go this way. Now listen, I didn't do that because I wanted to deprive my children the joy of playing in the busy street. I did that because I know if they go into the street, that's going to be bad. That's going to be harm. And so this is what we see here. This is, this is what we see. And look at verse 5 again. For you, 
may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or, or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Christ and God. You may be sure of this, Paul says. Those who persist in this lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Those who are unrepentant will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now this is not to cause those who are in Christ to doubt your salvation. This side of heaven, we will struggle with sin. Yes, even these sins. And so if that's where you are, Know that Christ has made a way. Again, the Christian faith is about pursuit and not about perfection. If that's where you are, stand up and begin pursuing God. Let's look at verses 6 through 10. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. In the world, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I want you to notice verse 8. Paul doesn't say, At one time you were in darkness. He says, you were darkness. And now, you are light. You are changed. You have a new identity. You've put off the old, put on the new. Walk as children of light. And display that light by doing all that is good and right and true. Because God is good and right and true. And if we are to imitate Him, that is what we are called to do. Now what this means is we're going to look different to the world. We're going to think different. We're going to speak different. We're going to act different. We're going to love different. We're going to interface with people on social media different. We're going to interface with each other personally differently. And when we face the choice to please God or please people, we're going to choose to please God. 
And I want you to look at the last few verses. We're not going to read those, but verses 11 through 14, Paul moves back into this more positive action of putting off the things of darkness, putting on taking light into the darkness. And we are to let our light shine, as Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16. Expose darkness for what it is. And I want you to look at the last part of verse 14. The last part of verse 14. Wake up, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Now these words were probably a hymn or an early confession that was used uh, in baptism. And it is with these words in mind that I want to ask you a question as we close. And I'm going to go ahead and ask our, our worship team to make their way this way. But as we close this morning, I want to ask you a question. It's the last thing on your sheet there. Am I being sensitive to the things that influence me? Am I being sensitive to the things that influence me? Because the opposite of that is to be oblivious. We can't walk in darkness and light at the same time. Oswald Chambers said this, to walk in the light means that everything that is of the darkness actually drives me closer to the center of the light. That means that we are not walking right up to the line of light and darkness, getting as close as we can. But instead, what it means is that when we sense any darkness, that we are exposed to darkness in any way, we run the other direction. Towards the center of the light. That is Christ. So if we are going to be a people who imitate God as His dearly loved children, the way that's fleshed out in us is walking in love and walking in light. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, Lord, I pray for those of us today who hear this word and it's, and it's a hard word that Paul brings us. It's a hard word. Because some of us try to walk that line between light and darkness. And Father, I pray that today would be the day that 
we set that aside. We move, we, we put off the old and put on the new. So Father, I pray for those that are in this room. I pray for those that are watching online. that this word would move in their hearts. That you would draw people unto yourself. Help us to be people who walk in love and walk in light. It's in your blessed holy name we pray.